Okay, let's try this again with a microphone this time. <laughs> Take two. <laughs> oh, God man. damn it. Welcome back to <laughs> Ten Zero. We are on episode seven. God, my God. <laughs> way better the first time. <laughs> oh, God. one thirty in the morning trying to record without a microphone. At least it's not 3 a.m. again. Well, since I have to do it again, <laughs> here's your true crime fact of the day. June 25th, 1910, Congress passes the Mann Act, which is aimed at curbing sex trafficking. It basically made it illegal to transport any female state lines for any, quote, immoral purpose. So, back to take one. <laughs> um, that was actually just brought up in either a Netflix original show or a TV show. I'm not sure which. Um, could possibly be a movie. But I was watching um, Paramount Plus and saw an ad. And they brought up the Man Act. Um, oh. It's been brought up multiple times in like Law and Order episodes. And surprisingly not very many people know about it. I don't think I've ever heard of the Man Act. Um, if I'm being honest, it, it's been used more recently than it has in previous years, I think. Um, just because there are so many human trafficking going on today. Yeah. So. Well, do you want to go first? Or you want me to go first? Um. No, no, we did paranormal first last time. Okay, I'll go first. But then again, you went first last time. I don't care. Don't care either. Listen. I'll go first. Shit. Linda. So we're going international for this one. We're going to Melbourne, Australia. My horrible Australian accent. We are doing the murder of Phoebe Hansjuk. Have you heard of that one? I believe so. Yes, no, maybe so. Maybe. So, a little about Phoebe. She was born May 9th, 1986 to Natalie and Leonid Hansjuk. Oh, she was only four years older than me. Yeah. She was 24 at the time of her murder. So, do that math real quick, because I can't. I was 20. Okay. That would be 10, 11, almost 11 years ago. So... She was very athletic in her school year. She was a beautiful young woman. Um, around the time of her death, she had began, began, begun <laughs> experimenting with drugs and alcohol. I can't. She used alcohol to cope with anxiety and depression, which a lot of people do, which is fine. If that's how you do it, just don't overdo it. Um, she began to get a counselor for those issues to try to get away from the alcohol aspect of it. Um, she was very close with her grandmother, Jeanette. At one point, she actually stayed with her when she was going through her, um, breakup with her boyfriend, which we're getting into now. So she was dating Anthony. Um, she was living with him in a luxury apartment building named the Valencia. She had a thing for older men. Um, I'm sorry, she was 23 at the time of her death and her boyfriend, Anthony, who preferred to be called Aunt for some reason, was almost 40. It The relationship had been rocky for a long time. They had broken up several times. Um, Phoebe had actually gone to stay with her grandmother several times during their relationship because of his um, controllingness, for lack of a better term. Oh, so... He's a shit narcissist yeah okay yeah we'll go with that um she had attempted to leave him multiple times but he always managed to get her to come back so phoebe went missing december 10th i'm sorry december 2nd of 2010 um the whole event starts at around six o'clock at night at 1805 so 605 Ant parks his 
fancy Range Rover in the parking garage and uses his key fob to open the gate. By his account, he left home at 9 o'clock that morning and using his key fob, which only gives him access to his floor, he took the elevator and entered the 12th floor to get to there. He was unsure if he had locked his apartment door or not. When he entered, there was no sign of Phoebe. Um, however, her keys and purse were on the counter. So if she had left, she could not get back into the building unless somebody let her back in, which people are not inclined to do. No. Which is understandable, but why would you go somewhere without your keys? Right. So there were several post-it notes with scribbles stuck to the kitchen counter and was not able to make sense of anything. He moved to the bedroom where he located a shrine. Note the heavy air quotes that you can't see. Uh, in this shrine there were there was a photo of Aunt and Phoebe, a photo of her cat and quote rambled notes she writes when she's trashed to Aunt and lit candles. Phoebe's straightener was also plugged in, which she was not inclined to do. Around 1851, Phoebe's father, Len, calls her phone. And this is where the story starts to differ between Aunt and Len. Um, Len says, and he has phone records to back this up, that Aunt answered Phoebe's phone. However, Aunt says that he called Len from his personal phone at 1852 because he thought she'd gone to meet Len. Okay. So this is where it starts getting sketchy. Yeah. Len was calling Phoebe to see what time they should meet for dinner because Phoebe had arranged for the three of them, the three of them being Phoebe, her father, and aunt, to go to dinner at her favorite restaurant, the Golden Triangle, to celebrate Len's birthday, which was two days prior to this. Okay. Um, aunt had told Len that she wasn't there, but her babies are here, so she can't be too far away. Is what Aunt told Len. Sure. I mean, in all reality, she wasn't, but not in a good way. Right. Uh, this obviously worried her father. So the day before this, Phoebe's family had received a strange text from her phone. Reading, Hi family, I'm in bed and about to sleep. And when I wake, I will transform into the most incredible human being you've ever seen. Not... I will go to the hospital. It's safer there, and I hear the special tonight is tomato soup. Delicious and nutritious. I love you all very much, but not enough to send an individual text. Sorry about that, but time is sleep, and I must be on my way. Merrily, 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 life is but a dream. XO. If that's not weird and completely obscure. I love you all, but not enough to send an individual text. I feel like that... Granted, I didn't know Phoebe, obviously, but I feel like that's not something you would do if you love your family that much. I'm just saying. Throw I mean, it out there. I mean, if it was in a group text, cool, but... It wasn't a group text. It So the message was sent to Len, Aunt, Phoebe's boss, Natalie, who is Phoebe's mom, Tom and Nick, her brothers, her grandmother, Jeanette, and Russell, who was her mom's partner at that time okay so so it wasn't a group text but that's still worrisome right like that's just not okay. telling everybody she's gonna go to the hospital yeah and like making a joke about tomato soup that's that's yeah. sketchy I mean, to me yes and no i mean if you're trashed and True. stuff like that but even still, like, I would have been, if, had my brother or a family member sent something like that to me, I ultimately would have, like, started blowing up their phone right. and just not stopping until I got answers. So, Natalie was on her way out of town, and she was about to board a flight, and she was worried, so she called her grandmother, Jeanette, and asked her to check on Phoebe. Jeanette called Aunt, who assured her that Phoebe was okay. Yeah, because he's a lying sack of shit. Well. Anyways. So, back to our timeline. 
Len wanted to report Phoebe missing, but Aunt said no, saying, quote, they don't listen until 48 hours have passed, and she'll be back by then. I don't know the laws over there, um, but at least here in the States, if they're believed to be in extreme danger, I can report anybody missing at any time. Um, granted, depending on the situation, situations, um, you see, like, the first 48 is a TV show we have here in the States, and it tells you in the intro to that show that the first 48 hours are extremely crucial. Because normally, after that first 48 hours, the person's either, A, not in the land of the living anymore. Not in the land of the living. (laughs) (laughs) Or, they are in extreme and utter danger and hopes of finding them decrease Significantly. So, that being said, him saying that, to me, is a sure sign that he's involved in her going missing. Right. So, Len was a psychiatrist, and he had called from his parking garage that was attached to his office to see when Phoebe wanted to meet up for dinner. Um, After he got off the phone with Aunt, he then called Tom, who was Phoebe's brother, and asked him to call a friend who might know where Phoebe is. This is going to piss you off. You ready? And order takeout from the Golden Triangle, which is where they were supposed to go for dinner, uh-huh. for one. Fuck you, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, that's for not one. Me. So, shortly after that, Aunt buzzed the delivery boy up, who said the front of the building was swarming with cops. He then went down to the foyer and approached Senior Sergeant Andrew Healy, doesn't that name sound familiar? It does. Orange is New Black. That's what that makes me think of. Healy. But I can't remember what his first name is. I don't know. Now I'm Hold, please. <laughs> do, 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 do. Um, Sam. Oh. Sam Healy. Well, that was close. Anyway. Uh, Aunt approached Sergeant Andrew Healy and asked what was going on. A sergeant said that there was a female's body had been found in the garbage compactor room. Oh. Yeah. Aunt said his girlfriend is missing and asked if it could be her. You ready for another discrepancy? Mm-hmm. Aunt told the sergeant that he had called her on the home phone several times that day because her cell phone was broken. Oh. Yeah, no. You're just a shit... Sergeant Healy asked if she had any distinguishing features, which she did. She had a Monroe piercing, which is the one that's up on top of your lip, and matching wrist tattoos with Ant. So Ant showed the sergeant his wrist, and he was then asked to retrieve a recent photo of Phoebe. The sergeant asked if Phoebe had a tattoo on her stomach, which Ant confirmed. And the sergeant believed by comparing facial features with the body that was found in the garbage compactor room and the photo that Aunt had showed the sergeant of Phoebe that it was her. Um, detectives did a half-assed search of the apartment. They found broken glass and blood all, all over the kitchen floor and the post-it notes that I mentioned earlier that Aunt found. Aunt acted like he was absolutely devastated. Of course he did. That it could have been Phoebe. The detectives branched out on the 12th floor. They found blood in the garbage room. Um, Surprise, surprise. Right. They also found blood on the handle to the chute that goes down. So, on each floor, there was like a little... um, Like garbage chute. It's a little garbage chute. It's like the size of a laptop. Maybe a little taller. So, so, like a laundry chute. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, Anna called his mother. Mind you, his father is a retired court judge. 
like a high up court judge okay. in Australia, and his stepmother is a current court judge at this oh. time. Right. Um, he called his mother for help and then called Len to tell him that Phoebe was dead. Yeah. Because you can't break that news more eloquently. Right. You can't have him, like, come over and be like, hey. By the um, way. So. Right. So, by this time, everybody was swarming around downstairs in the foyer, and they had the garbage compactor room walled off. Um, the employee that found her in the compactor room was distraught, obviously. Um, so. Right. The sergeant told the caller not to worry too much. The girl committed suicide and threw herself down the rubbish chute. Right, because, you know, we call it trash, they call it rubbish. Right. So, this also pisses me off. Police refused to let medics in the compactor room, even though they had been the ones to request them. Why? So, what's the point? What's the point in having medics on scene if you're not going to let them in the area? Right. So... Are they at least call a coroner? I'm getting there. Hold, please. I'm getting there. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. According to... I know. So, there's the garbage compactor, and then the compactor is in a room by itself. Like, there's no other machinery in this room. Okay. According to the blood trails that were on the floor... Phoebe had survived the fall from the 12th floor and tried to find a way out. So she crawled her ass out of the compactor onto the floor and tried to find the door. Before she died. Before she died. So when everybody got there, she could have still been alive. She was just comatose. So and them not allowing medics to go in. No one that is medically trained saw her for nine and a half hours. So she could have been saved. Fucking bullshit. I call fucking bullshit. So this fall was a 30 meter fall from the 12th floor. Okay. 30 meters is 98 feet. That's a long fall. Yeah. As far as her injuries, her femurs were fractured. Her right foot was almost completely severed. It was hanging on by a tendon. Oh. They think that the compactor had ran at one point. Right. And had some resistance or something, so it stopped. Understandably, there Which was is a good. body in it, but at the same time... Right. <sighs> She had a cut on her head. There was bruising on her neck, her wrists, and her upper arms. What does that bruising tell you? So, say it with me. Garbage. (laughs) (laughs) That bruising to me says that she had been in a domestic. Domestic dispute, hands down, and it turned physical. Right. And when he probably, judging by, you know the evidence that there was a laceration to her face, he probably hit her with something, knocked her unconscious. Broken glass home. And in panic mode, shoved her down the only thing that right. could get rid of her. Mm-hmm. And it ultimately didn't kill her, and the police waited for her to fucking die. Right. So, she did have a pretty significant blood alcohol. It was 0.16. And she had... A significant amount of Stillnox in her system, which a, is a depression medication as well as a sleep aid. Okay, so there's the potential for overdose. Right. Um, because when you mix any type of sleep aid and depression medication with alcohol... It's a big no-no. It's a big no-no. Um, I see you getting frustrated. I, I love it. I've watched so many <laughs> crime shows. And the way that this plays out is amazing simply because if there was any type of possibility or any type of sign of life, at least, you here, call medics. at least here in the state of Indiana, 
if there is any type of pulse, medics are obligated, 100% mandatorily obligated to start CPR. If the police did their job and checked for a pulse, they should have been contractually obligated to fucking start CPR and allow medics into that room. The fact that they didn't... But it's a crime scene. It doesn't matter. The fact that they didn't... I understand the whole crime scene contamination bullshit, but at the same time, the fact that they didn't let anyone that was medically trained see her body for nine and a half hours, I find... That irks me. Like, she could have been saved. She had the potential to be saved. A, her boyfriend did it. Hands down. Because he's a piece of shit. And the police that were on scene in that room with her were accomplices because they did not attempt to save her life. I'm sure, I would hope anyway, that they ID'd him when they went up to the apartment and did a half-assed search. Right. So, I'm sure they recognized his last name. Yeah. But even still. I mean, I would hope they would still do a decent investigation. They obviously did not. Haven't gotten there yet. But, all around. Sorry. Garbage humans. I, I, (laughs) still, um, so, I'm just irritated by the lack of police work, I guess, that there was, there was no effort put into it. Her life could have been potentially saved had they done their due diligence and checked for a pulse, regardless of the situation, if they thought she was dead or not, they should have checked for a pulse. I agree. Because you can still have a pulse if your chest isn't moving, showing your breathing. Mm-hmm. So the coroner was called, obviously. They transported and did an autopsy and all that fun stuff. She would be pissed off again. Mm-hmm. The coroner concluded that Phoebe's death was a suicide. Are you fucking kidding me? No. I wish I was kidding. I almost guarantee you it's because of who her boyfriend was. I'm sure. I'm sure that's what it is. So, turn of events. Phoebe's grand was a retired detective and found no evidence to support the coroner's finding that it was a suicide. Good. So... <laughs> a lot of the things that the coroner found and tried to piece together doesn't make sense. So the pathologist recorded Phoebe's height as 166 centimeters. Okay. okay. Her family was adamant that her height was 175. So her falling 98 feet because she had spine. to go feet first into that chute. Compress her spine, also fracture her femurs. Of course, she's gonna be shorter. Yeah. But I mean, even lifting weights can compress your spine. Right. And make you lose height. Exactly. So the coroner rejected the family evidence of Phoebe's height and used the 106 centimeters as her actual height, supporting his theory that Phoebe guided herself down the steel shaft. So he's saying that she let herself down the shaft. She climbed through this tiny little door the size of a laptop guided herself down, like held herself to the sides of the shaft with her hands and her feet and guided herself down the shaft. Is what he's trying to say. But if she has that many fractures and broken bones and her foot was almost severed, there's no way. Right. Because who's, okay, who's to say that there wasn't a bent in piece of sheet metal uh-huh. in the shaft right. that couldn't have severed her mm-hmm. foot. So, Phoebe's grandfather, Lorne, did his own set of testing. And the only way into the chute, feet first, is to face the wall that the door is on. Bend your leg. Sit on the door and slide in feet first. Even then, your arms would be stuck above your head because that's how right. 
slim the shaft is. <laughs> that sounds bad. How slim the shaft is. You, you can't put your arms down by your side because the shaft is so right. narrow. You can't do it. Right. Like there's no way to guide yourself down. No. And if she would have been able to do that, the inside of the shaft was so dirty, there would have been marks on her. Yeah. She, there was no dirt on her hands. There was no dirt on her feet. So that tells me that she free fell yeah. down the shaft. So the clue did that no one else was involved in Phoebe's death and submitted it as a solid finding. So Phoebe's family requested a inquest to the coroner's court. So basically they're disputing the findings of the coroner and requesting that everything be ran again, all the testing be run again. Um, basically requesting a whole other autopsy to try to find okay. if someone was involved, if somebody could have been involved, that right. kind of thing. Um, at this point, her her grandfather did another set of testing um campbell completed his own experiments with the chute a reasonably strong male could have easily put someone with phoebe's build into the chute so he had somebody carry a female with phoebe's similar stir to the chute she was small like somebody could have easily carried her right um Campbell had two females attempt the position in which Phoebe is believed to have gone down the chute. Both were sober and found it incredibly difficult. So, to open the chute, you have to pull the door down. And you have to... If you were to climb in it, you have to sit on the door and slide in. Right. There's no way she could have done that with a blood alcohol 0.16 and that no. much still knocks in her system. That's not a and, thing. And that's why I said... You know, with the last right to her head, she had to have been knocked unconscious. Right. Um, Especially, okay, so to survive that long of a fall, yes, she was inebriated. It's still probably wouldn't have killed her right away. No. But at the same time, going through a garbage compactor. Going through a garbage compactor would have. And if she was unconscious and wasn't able to brace herself for the impact, her chances of survival. Oh, absolutely. Um, it is said that the the best thing for like car accidents is if you're not ready for it. So if you're asleep, and that's why all you see all these drunk driving accidents where the driver that's drunk survives survives and is minimally harmed, but people in the other vehicle have severe injuries or they're even killed by these accidents. Right. Back to Phoebe's injuries. So Phoebe had an unexplained injury to her head that was consistent with a fall. Hello. The coroner tried to say this injury was sustained during autopsy. Why, mother? How are you going to try to pull that off? Okay, so again, watching the crime shows that I do and being the girlfriend of an EMT. Uh, a lot of things play into the factor of like what happens to your blood after you die. It all pools right wherever you're laying. Um, had this injury happened during the autopsy. It would be as if flesh was just flayed open instead of a fresh injury. A fresh injury. There wouldn't be there wouldn't be any blood of, to pool. Right. So you'd have just this incision. It wouldn't with no bleeding. Right. And it wouldn't like open fully unless it was retracted. Um with like proper tools. So he's a liar. <laughs> <laughs> He is a liar. So Phoebe's grandfather 
believes the entire coroner's report is pure speculation as he's been able to sufficiently prove that most of it is just speculation. So as far as Ant's involvement, he's never officially been um, charged with this. He was a suspect for a point, but he has been cleared. Um, he made several contradictory statements during the mission. For example, the call that he said, um, the first time he spoke to the sergeant, he said he tried to call her on the home phone because hers was broken, even though Len had talked to him on her phone. Also said she lost her Nokia phone. Those things are indestructible, man. <laughs> it's a brick. <laughs> I think I still have mine somewhere. My mom used to have one, and that used to be my phone when I was little. The only game you had on it was bowling and snake. It didn't have bowling on it. It just had snake. Mine had bowling. Nope. It was a gold, like, it, the size of an iPhone, but it just had a screen that was, like, like an, an inch. An inch, ball. maybe. <laughs> anyway... Back to the task at hand. Aunt had said that she lost her Nokia phone while Aunt had her iPhone and was taking it to be repaired. If this is true, why did he say the were in her bag? It was just laying on top of her bag. Granted, she could have put it there before right. everything happened. But, but he's also a liar. Right. So. I don't believe anything that he says. So after the investigation, Phoebe's phone and SIM card were given back to Aunt eight days after her death following an incomplete search. Following Why? an incomplete search by homicide. The inquest was three years later. Okay. Okay. But, but Conveniently why? can't be found. But why are you giving it back to him? Because it's his property. It was on his phone plan. Doesn't matter. It was her personal belonging, therefore it should go to the next of kin. If they were not married, then it should go to her family. All of her life insurance policies? Yeah. Oh. Shocker. But he was unable to find the phone or the SIM card three years later. Devil's advocate, I can see misplacing a SIM card. They're as big as a fingernail. Right. But at the same time, if it was placed back in the phone, it wouldn't matter. True. So he either threw it away. Or. Or. Can't find it can't find it and still has it. Right. Or he destroyed it because he knows that he was going to be caught. Right. Um, also, they had a computer in their apartment that was not taken from the apartment until March of 2011, which was four months after Phoebe's death. Okay. There was also blood found on the mouse and the mouse pad and the keyboard. Okay. So, here's another question. Did it have a webcam? I don't. It was a Mac, an iMac. So then it probably did. Right. So, a little known fact about webcams. Like I said in earlier episodes, Big Brother's always watching. And that is why you tape over webcams. Yes. <laughs> so, um, I don't. Um, however, if that webcam was left open for some reason, all of that information that gets saved can be pulled off of that hard drive. So oh, it, absolutely. It kind of shocks me that he didn't have it destroyed before mm -hmm. it was taken. So December 10th, 2014, Phoebe's death is again ruled an accident by the coroner. He's now saying he's unable to determine if she put herself in the chute or if someone put her in the chute. So he's backtracking. Yeah. Because pretty much. He's a fucking liar. So, not to put more suspicion on Ant. So, June 24th, 2018, Ant's new girlfriend dies from quote-unquote suicide. Uh-huh. She had a cord wrapped around her neck, but there was no evidence to support hanging. She was found on the kitchen floor of her parents' apartment. So, in other words, he got pissed off at her. For some fucking reason, mm -hmm. and tied a cord around her neck until she can breathe. At this point, he's fifty-one. She's twenty-five. Whatever floats your boat. Maybe she. Age caught. is just a number. Whatever. Maybe she. Caught. Maybe. 
So, knowing that, it's, it's shocking how similar right. um, things are going in that direction. Um, if I were the police after the second suicide, no, the <laughs> Heavy air, air quotes. Air quotes. Heavy air quotes. That you can't see. Um, That's too close of a coincidence for yes. me to not think that he's doing something funky. Exactly. And the fact that they were so close in age. Right. There, There's a pattern. And for that not to be picked up on by police is negligence on their part. Agreed. It's a sad story. It is. And if it you, makes me extremely angry. Right. If you want to find more information or updates on the case, only does have a website. It is literally her name, Phoebe Hanstruck. Um, there are updates. There's pictures of her. People can post comments and memories of her. Um, if you want to take a look at that and find any updates, it's there for you to find. Okay, creep me out. Are you ready for this? Creep me out. Okay. Do it. 18 months after moving into his Utah home, Terry Sherman left his family inside to walk their dogs around the property of the ranch. List. Okay. He encountered a wolf, approximately three times larger than a normal sized wolf, mm-hmm. that had glowing red eyes and was <gasps> unfazed by three close range shots into its hide. What the fuck are you telling me? Hold on. After they moved out, we will revisit them later as well. Um, Several new owners of the ranch experienced similar encounters with the creatures, and it is now a paranormal hotspot dubbed Skinwalker Ranch. (gasps) Fuck! I want to watch this so bad. There's a show, and I want to watch it, and I haven't watched it yet. Okay, so the Skinwalker is a Navajo legend. And because I don't want to botch their indigenous languages, I left out what they use for the skinwalker. Probably got to do. But it translates to, by all means, it goes on all fours. Oh. The Pueblo, Apache, and Hopi people all have their own legends of the skinwalker. However, the Navajo legend is the most popular. Mm -hmm. Um, Some traditions believe they are born of a medicine man that is using indigenous magic for evil and mention the ability to turn into or possess an animal or person. Others believe a person could become a skinwalker if they commit any form of deep-seated taboo. I've heard that. Um, They're described as mostly animalistic, even when in human form, and are damn near impossible to kill, unless, and this is my legend, um, it is with a bullet or knife that is dipped in white ash. Um, Like the bullet has to be dipped in ash? Yes. And it has to be white ash. What qualifies as white ash, though? Like, the tree? Like, white ash trees, Uh, white oak trees, I believe. Um, Well. But I'm not 100% positive on that. Um, As the Navajo are reluctant to speak about skinwalkers. Can't say I blame them. So, not much else is known aside from that. So. Creep me out more. Back to the Shermans. In 1996, Terry and Gwen Sherman bought the ranch, first observing UFOs, which I'm I'm highly skeptical about, however, given where they're located, it doesn't really shock me at all, Um, that would hover over the property, mutilations. I'm sorry, what? Yes. (laughs) Mutilations. I'm trying to enjoy popcorn here. (laughs) Mutilations. Well, you're going to want to wait. Well, shit. Seven cows had either died or disappeared. 
Okay. One was reported to have had a perfect hole cut into the center of its left eyeball. It was still alive. No. Um, another no. had its rectum completely carved out. What the fuck? <coughs> I told you to wait. What? Um, oh, okay. The cattle that were found dead were both surrounded by a like, really strong chemical odor. Okay. Uh, one was found surrounded by trees that seemed to have the limbs above cut off. So it was like a perfect hole in the trees where oh. this cow was. That's um, not creepy or anything. One cow vanished, leaving an abrupt cutoff in tracks in the snow. Like, you could Somebody follow tracks, it up. and then it was like something just picked it up. Okay. Um, another terrifying experience was when Terry was, again, walking the dogs, hearing voices in a language he did not recognize. Oh, hell no. Um, he estimated that it was about 25 feet away, but upon investigation did not see or hear anyone. No. No, I'm good. Yeah. Nobody, no, no. Um, the property was sold to Robert Bigelow <laughs> in 1996. Bigelow. So later in the year. Um, with a goal to find out what was going on. On March 12, 1997, an employee spotted a large creature perched in a tree. About 20 feet off the ground. <laughs> and the no. only indication it was there... Aside from him being able to see, like, the silhouette. Yeah. If you told me eyeballs. Was a yellow-orange glow of two unblinking eyes. Motherfucker. Staring directly back at the light. <sighs> it was about 50 feet away. So, at night, if it's a clear night, you can see, like, silhouettes that far away. Yeah. Shining a flashlight and seeing two glowing eyes... That were that color. I would piss my pants. Yeah. Unquestionably. Right. Continue. Uh, <laughs> God damn it. fired at the humanoid-like what? figure, but it fled, leaving claw marks and imprints on the ground. What? What? That's a lot to unpack. Why are we shooting at it if we don't know what it is, first off? What if it, what if it was a giant owl? Out of this owl, and it was just sitting there and, I and not that. doing anything. But even still, they are predatory species, and it's not going to pick off a cow. No, you you would think that. I would hope not. But, That's one big fucking owl. Just wait. I don't want to wait. This was only days after another chilling incident. Okay. A few days prior, the ranch manager and his wife had just tagged an eighty-four pound calf before their dog began acting strangely. Okay. There's a pattern with the dogs. Yeah. Um, in broad daylight, they found the calf in a field about 45 minutes later. Um, I'm afraid of what you're going to tell me about this calf. The body cavity was completely empty. Like no organs, no, no nothing. No organs, no nothing. And the scene around it, so the ground around it, yeah. looked as if it had been cleaned after a murder. There was no blood. So, like, it was done somewhere else. So, it was like it was cleaned out, cauterized somewhere else, and put back. Oh. Or as if, like, whatever animal did it, or thing did it, did it so cleanly. Did it so cleanly? <laughs> Fuck. Did it so Ugh. cleanly that they didn't leave any evidence of them doing it? There's no way to do that cleanly. No. Which is why it's so bizarre. Um, three witnesses claim to have seen two large animals, one in a tree and the other at its base. However, no evidence was ever found. Welcome to 2.30 in the morning, folks. I'm dying. Uh, Big Low sold the ranch <laughs> in 2016 to Adamantium Holdings. They have since installed cameras 
alarm systems, infrared. I'm going to have to go home and watch this. And more. Um, However, employees are still experiencing things. I'm sure. That are not being caught on any of this. So they're smart. That's what we're saying. Yes. Thomas Winterton, who is an employee of Adam Anthem Holdings, reported feeling scared while driving up the road. And he had his windows down. It's hot in Utah. Okay. Heard a voice saying, stop, turn around. Just as clear as I'm talking to you. No. I... He investigated, saw nothing. But despite this experience, he won't be leaving anytime soon. He died, didn't he? No. And I quote, it's like the ring. No. No, it does not. Yeah, no. No, it does not. Um, no, no. I'm a very big skeptic when it comes to aliens and UFOs. Same. But the evidence is there. I can't say if it's a skinwalker. I can't say if it's aliens. Like, I'm that perplexed. And that was only a little bit of research that I did. Um, we'll have to watch the I don't know if it's on Discovery Plus or whatever, but we'll have to watch that and do like a part two. Yeah. We're definitely going to revisit the Skinwalkers after I do more um, research. Wasn't there a Supernatural episode on Skinwalkers? Yes. I believe so. Um, But they weren't animalistic. They were more Oh, it was the gooey thing, right? They like shed the skin and it was the goo? Yes. Yeah. Um, and then you have... Because that made sense when I was describing The Wendigos. Yes, that's what I was thinking of, Wendigos. Um, the Wendigos are going to be covered in another episode. Because I am very much into, like, supernatural beings, I guess. Or paranormal beings. Um, I like all the research that comes with that. I also enjoy doing it at 3 o'clock in the morning and creeping myself out. Yeah. And, like, not wanting to go to sleep afterwards. Right. Just saying. It's a good thing that we don't go to bed until after, like, 7 a.m. most of the time. Yeah, it's fine. (laughs) Completely fine. Like, Marcus always wants to watch scary movies, and then he'll turn around and he'll fall asleep on me. No. And leave me to watch it by myself. No. I'm just like, (laughs) If I watch (laughs) a scary movie, I have to watch a funny movie after it. I can't. Just watch a scary movie. Yeah. Like, Despicable Me, like, fucking Care Bears kind of shit. I have to watch it after. <laughs> Speaking of Care Bears, oh, God. they have the original cartoon with the Care Bear cousins on Paramount+. Plus. Well, that was before your time. Apparently. <laughs> Apparently, shit. I will teach you the ways. You will learn, young Padawan. Jesus Christ. I'm so glad you knew where I was going with that. I have a Stormtrooper tattoo. Come on. Um, Teach you the ways I will. Back to the conversation (laughs) at hand. Um, Do I believe in supernatural beings or paranormal beings at this point? Yes. Absolutely. Do I believe that there may be life on other planets that are here to research us. Possibly. Terrifyingly. It <laughs> definitely terrifies the shit out of me, but... I don't want to be probed. <laughs> do I want to rule it out completely? No. But at the same time, hard for me to think that that's going to happen um, with me being the rational person that I am. Right. Do I believe that someone's coming from another planet to watch every little thing that I do and understand me? No. What are the green guys from The Simpsons? The tentacle guys? You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Kind of reminds me of uh, Mars Attacks. (laughs) You don't know what that is either. Oh my god! (laughs) Jeremy has a list of things that I have not seen. Add him on Facebook and start adding <laughs> to that list. As a sheltered child. God. Mars Attacks was 
It was a movie put out, I believe, after or a little bit before Independence Day with Will Smith. Okay. And it's these little alien dudes. And it's a Tim Burton movie. Oh, shit. Yeah. So it's creepy. <laughs> and they have, like, these little bulging eyes, and they wear, like, little space helmets. And they come to Earth and, like, kill people. Like Marvin Martian? No. No. Like, little clear, like, fishbowls. Yeah. I guess he doesn't have a fish. Martin the Martian has a Spartan helmet. Yeah. I guess you're right. <laughs> Get it taken. God damn it. <laughs> anyway, enough of our rambling for the episode. <laughs> yes. If you have any listener stories for us or case suggestions, make sure you send them to our email, which will be listed in the show notes as well as our Facebook, which is brand new, and our Instagram. Yay, you remembered again. I did. Four I did episodes it. in a row. That'll never happen again. No. <laughs> <laughs> Especially now that I brought it up. Yeah. Duh. Um, we hope to be working on some merchandise soon. Um, that will include t-shirts. I'm excited for the hoodies. It's kind of my thing. Yeah. I'm really excited <laughs> to be able to make these for us. And um, decals. We'll do some decals. Yes. yes. Um, eventually we'll make a website and do all that fun stuff. Um, if you are interested in any of that, go ahead and send us an email or a private message on any of our platforms with the subject being merchandise. Um, I'm hoping to soon have um, little Ouija board planchet keychains Ooh, yeah. for sale too with um, our ending on it. Stay safe and don't become the next 10 0 um, on the back of it. And then on the front, it is going to say fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. <laughs> um, I need it. I am like excited to use my creativity and share all of this stuff with you. So, that being said, yeah. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and don't become the next 10 0.